sometimes a guy says, be their mom. And really what he means is, I don't want to be the dad. <laughs> yep. So I need you to be the mom. Yep. I'm going to go work for 60 hours and I'm going to spend my time hunting and fishing and doing, and, and I'm leaving. I've just hired you. I mean, I married you. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Y'all, Ron Deal is on this episode. Who that? Who that? <laughs> Ron Deal. You know, the man, the blended family man. Yeah, I have to say I was, I was rather shocked when you sent me a text with the news that... Uh, I think you sent me a text and it was like, guess who I got? It's going to be on the podcast. And I'm thinking, okay, like I can guess from <laughs> how many billion of people on the planet. I have no idea who you got coming on the podcast. And then you text me back like, Ron Deal. I'm like, how the world did you do that? <laughs> yeah. I was kind of shocked myself. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know this is coming out um, a little later in the podcast launch, but we actually recorded this with him before the podcast was even aired. Yeah. Several months, actually. Yeah, which I was kind of shocked because I figured that, you know, he would want to hear the podcast and, and and all that before he would agree to be on it. So I'm glad he didn't look for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had told him. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Yeah, in the, in the message I said, hey, we're launching our Nacho Kids podcast in the next few months. Would you be interested in being a guest? Yeah, but it, it was amazing though. And um, of course, you'll you'll hear as we uh, go through the, the interview how spot on that the Nacho Kids method is uh, with with what he sees and what he deals with. And then, of course, you get to hear lots of insights that comes from from his experience. And he talks all over the world about step family problems and has done so for many, 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 many years. Yes, he's like a veteran. Yeah, yeah, he is. And uh, I, I'll leave it for the podcast, but I do like the fact that he brought up that he, he's not in a blended family. And yet this is, and, and how he feels about that um, discounting his uh, experience or his um, his ability to help. I like how he puts it. I'm just going to leave it at that and let him, uh, let him say. Let him tell it. Let him say his own words. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice of you, David, to not yeah. put words in Ron Deal's yeah. mouth. Well, it's, yeah, it's hard for me not to jump in there and say what he said because I thought it was kind of profound, uh, which, you know, even though you and I are in a blended family and we've kind of walk through the fire. Uh, it's not, it doesn't mean that we can't help people that have gone through situations that, that we haven't gone through. You know, we, we don't have an hours kid or we don't have a situation where the bio parent is deceased. And, and so there's a lot of, a lot of nuances around different problems that step families have. And you don't have to have experienced every single one of those to understand how to help people. Exactly. But I will say a lot of people will go to a family therapist or a counselor or something like that. And they're like, they told me that I needed to be like their mom and I needed to put more effort into, you know, showering these stepkids with love and things like that. And then they'll, somebody will say, well, are they part of a blended family? And they'll say no. So then everybody goes, well, that's why they don't get it. They don't get it. Mm -hmm. But Remember when we went and met with Mr. Butler, the famous counselor that <laughs> um, beat nacho kids into my head, 
he's not part of a blended family. No. And not. I was kind of reluctant about discussing that with him. And I told him so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got probably a few more years than Ron Deal with <laughs> dealing with families in general. Mm-hmm. And I felt comfortable with him. I honestly felt like if he didn't know for sure about something, he wasn't going to push his opinion on us, but he would rather give us what research has shown. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I believe that people go to counselors, and oftentimes I think counselors, in the interest of giving them some advice, they don't give them advice that is accurate. And and sometimes I believe people should just say, you know what? I just don't know. Let me look into some options for you, and we'll talk about it next time. But you don't hear people do that. It's always they have to have a um, an answer. And if I don't believe the counselor has to be in a blended family to give you good advice, but I do think they should have some experience in that area. So, well, I think they should understand the different options, not just everybody should p- try to play happy family. You know, um, based off of someone's situation, the stepmom might need to step back. The stepmom might need to step up. The dad might need to step back in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. Even the bio dad, some of those are out of control. And it's just based on each situation as to what would work for them. And like we said, probably nacho kids would work for 30% of people. Maybe. I'm thinking it's a lot higher than that. But but it's not a it's not a silver bullet and it's not for everybody. Right. And there's nothing that is. If it was, then there would just be one book written on how to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if it's step family issues or, or nuclear family issues or anything else. We are just too complex and there are too many variables to everybody's life for there to be one set way to do anything. But you should know what your options are. And that's also kind of what uh, ticks me off about some of these other people that are out there spouting blended family help. And then when you mention other options, they're like, no, I don't agree with none of those. Mm-hmm. What? Okay, you don't have to agree with it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for for some people. And certainly there are people that have viewpoints that I don't think that are, um, I wouldn't say correct. I just don't think they're helpful, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work for some people. And so I'm not going to discount it. My opinion may be that that's not helpful, but I'm not going to publicly go out there and and say so because it could help somebody. Right. Well, for example, in the Facebook group, we'll have people that obviously don't read about Nacho Kids or the announcement or the pin post, whatever, and we'll come in and tell a stepmom, what are you doing? When you married their dad, you married them too, or you took them on too. And I don't have a problem with people that have been in that situation that, that they were able to step in and be more of a motherly figure and be more involved. But that's not what our group is about. Our group is for the people that that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they probably get attacked in my group a little bit because they're like, how dare you say this? But you've got to remember where you are when you're saying it. Right. And you've got people that, like you said, they just, try to discount other ways because it's not what would work for them. And then they make the other way seem bad. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I have talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but if somebody had come to us with the Nacho Kids method, um, of course it wasn't, (laughs) wasn't available at the time because we created that. But if somebody had had come to us, uh, you know, as we were going through some of the issues early on, 
I and said, Lori, you, you should be their friend, not their... Yeah, and if they would have told us what we're telling people, but I really don't think we would have resonated with it. It wasn't until we got to a certain point where we were trying things that we thought made sense. Um, I, not to say Nacho Kids doesn't make sense, but it does... It went against the grain. It does fly into the face of a lot of common thought processes about families. And I think the, what what it really does is it separates the difference of how you deal with a blended family to how you deal with a nuclear family. Cause I think people come into the blended family with the knowledge and experience of a nuclear family. And so that's all they know. And that's what they try to do. And it oftentimes doesn't work. And, and so that's, I think that's why we would have had some pushback during that stage. And I think that's why we hear of other people that have pushback and, and you and I kind of joke sometimes that, well, you're just not there yet. You come back, you know, after you try some other things and then you'll be more than happy to, to give this a try and you'll see uh, the difference it'll make. Yeah. We'll see people that I used to think the nacho kids method was crazy and the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. And here I am three years later and I thank God for this group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes it, it takes getting to that point before you're willing to, to listen and do some of the things and kind of let go of your, uh, your preconceived notions about it. And then and see how it works. And there again, I'll say it again: it's not a silver bullet, and it's not for everybody. Um, no, but it has changed our lives tremendously. Not just in the blend, but in other areas, it helped me and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lady um, in one of the Facebook groups the other day said, "I am sitting in a meeting at work, and I am not showing." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that goes into. Also, understanding what the full nacho method is, which we never get into on the Facebook group. It's just too much. It's in the academy. We talk about it and we go into the different aspects of it. Um, but that's people often say, you know, the nacho kids method is just disengaging. And, and, oh. and we certainly will have a podcast episode all about that because we've been asked a couple of times to, to do that. But disengaging is a step in a, of Nacho Kids method. It's a part of it, but it is not the entire process. The entire process is very uh, in depth, and it's it it is very much a process that um, has a lot of uh, introspection and working on yourself, and then uh, learning how to diagnose symptoms and problems within yourself and and the people that are around you, and how to deal with those. I mean, it's it's a it's a big, massive program. Mm-hmm. How do I identify and avoid or cope with triggers differently? Yeah. So it, it's it's very life-changing. And just like you mentioned, it goes well beyond just learning how to, to deal with a step family. And if you if you follow it, I mean, we got one of the ladies in there now. She says, <laughs> I love how she put it. She says, Nacho Kids is a lifestyle. It is not a blended family help um, society or whatever you want to put it. it. It really is a lifestyle. And if you embrace it like that, you do see how it will help you, not just in your blended family, but it'll help you in your job. It'll help you in your other relationships because we go well beyond how to help just a blended family. And also the things that you learn and apply, you'll start noticing changes with other people in your blended family or even at work or wherever that have no clue what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden their attitude kind of changes or things just kind of end out on an even kill more so. Well, it's just anytime you're around people, your attitude always affects them in some way. And so when your attitude changes, it gets better. 
Uh, you learn what, you know, where you're going to draw the line in the sand. And, you know, as we often say, what hill you're going to die on. <laughs> when those things change, then the people around you also change the way they deal with you and as well. Well, and if you're happier, it's not that you're a bad person and that's why you need to change your attitude. But if you're happier, that rubs off on other people. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you go to work. If you had a bad day at home and you go to work, then oftentimes you're not going to have a great day at work. You have all these things at home bothering you and you know at the end of the day you have to go back home and a lot of people in the nacho kids group don't want to go back home yeah i mean we were there i was there nobody (laughs) wanted to come here (laughs) we took the long way home boy (laughs) and drove slowly Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's times when i'd stop at the top of the driveway and like you know kind of pump myself up to to come down to the we house. all did. I wonder if that's why the driveway got holes right there. <laughs> I know. It's like everybody would stop at the drive, top of the driveway because you can't see the house from the driveway, top of the driveway. And just take deep breaths. <laughs> it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I know I don't want to go in there, but I got to. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So just remember that if you're one of those people that sit at the end of the driveway or ride around the block for 30 minutes or try to find reasons to not go home, um, we were there too. Mm-hmm. And that changed, and it changed dramatically, and to the point that the kids were even excited to come back here. Yeah. And we're coming in the door going, where's Lori? I need to tell her whatever. Mm-hmm. The same kids that were going to burn me at the stake, y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into Ron Deal's thing, I want to mention some of his books. I'm sure we address them in the podcast, but I just want to make sure we cover them. Mm-hmm. I think we've got all of them. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of them. So there's the Smart Step Family, the Smart Step Mom, the Smart Step Dad, Dating and the Single Parent, the Smart Step Family Marriage, Daily Encouragement for the Smart Step Family. And this month, when this podcast comes out, the Smart Step Family Guide to Financial Planning is being released. Sweet. Yes. And next year, Mm -hmm. there's Building Love Together in Blended Families with Ron Deal and Gary Chapman, the dude that wrote the Five Love Languages. Oh, cool. Yes. So there's a lot of books. And he also just started a podcast. Oh, yeah, he did. Do you know what that is? Is it the Smart Step Family Podcast? <laughs> I think it's Family Life Blended Podcast. Okay. He tells us in the yeah. thing. Well, we'll yeah, we're us- old. Our memory's not the best. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have it in the show notes. Uh, but I did notice in our in our Amazon cart the other day, you've already pre-ordered his his new book. So. Pre-ordered that thing in May. Did you? Mm-hmm. Well, I saw something on the other day, so we're gonna be smart. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we we are very big proponents of you know learning from everybody, anybody and everybody you can learn from, because there's always going to be something that you can take away from other people. Even um, you know, even if you talk to somebody and and they give you some you know some crazy advice on what to try at home, sometimes there's always a little golden nugget of information in there. Uh, but I, I think you'll find that Ron Deal stuff is kind of more of a gold mine, not a golden nugget. Yeah. But but check out his stuff. You will certainly uh, you'll certainly benefit from it. And anything that you hear about ways to help your step family or your blended family, be open minded. Just don't make knee jerk reactions to whether you think something's crazy or not. Just be open minded to it and think about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I was open minded to it. Yeah. And another thing to probably mention is, you know, his book or his, uh, all his books go through kind of a a Christian um, perspective, Mm -hmm. but that does not mean that it does not apply to people who may not consider themselves as such. 
So don't get hung up on that at all. Um, You know, Lori and I are Christians and, and we kind of do the same thing. It's not that we are pushing and not your kids method as being some kind of Christian format. So don't think that, um, that, that you can't learn anything from it because of that, because it is definitely not written that way and is not meant to be that way. And it's, it's the same thing with like Dave Ramsey. If you follow him about financial stuff, uh, it's a Christian organization, but his principles work regardless. It does not matter that, you know, you don't prescribe to the, the faith. It's still sound principles and it's still sound information that will help you. Exactly. So here y'all go. Here y'all go. Here y'all go. <laughs> All right. Let's get into Ron Deal after we hear from our sponsor. Ron Deal. Woo! There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. All right, welcome to the podcast, Ron Deal. Woo! <laughs> so he literally is a big deal. But Ron... <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you guys. So for those of you who do not know who Ron Deal is, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, Ron is a <laughs> marriage and family author. He's the founder and president of Smart Step Families, the director of Family Life Blended. He's also authored several books. He's got The Smart Step Family, The Smart Step Dad, The Smart Step Mom, and The Smart Step Family Marriage Keys to Success. Notice there's not a smart step kid. Because <laughs> I don't think that exists. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. And you also have another book coming up, and we'll talk about that. But I wanted to kind of throw all that out there. To say, I think you know a little bit about step families. <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's good to be here. By the way, um, we just launched our own podcast. I believe in what you're doing because we just created one too. So awesome. people can just go to iTunes or Stitcher and look for Family Life Blended with Ron Deal. Uh, we just launched uh, April this month. So. Great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Very well. So we don't, we don't want to talk too much about us, but uh, for those who are listening who may not know. Lori and I were not always very happy with each other. <laughs> Hard to believe, I and, know. And uh, the, the funny part is that before we got married, we did a lot of research and we we looked into, you know, what were we getting ourselves into? And of course, you know, when you look at, at Step Family information, you know, you run across Ron Deal and the books and, and the websites and all that. So we read through all that. We had all the smart stuff. Uh, I was the smartest stepdad on the block, I'm sure. <laughs> But but even with all that, we still ran into massive problems that almost ended our marriage. Is is that normal? It's pretty typical to have quite a bit of stress. Um, In fact, that really is the journey of blended families. And if there's anything I find myself talking about over and over again with people, it's um, the difference between dating and actually being married. Um, you, You just it's not real until it's real. Right. And there's just certain dynamics that kick in at centered around the wedding and the new family and establishing the home 
and now you're all living together and now you got to figure out how to live together and whose rules and who's parenting whom. And are we going to do your traditions or my traditions? And we have five sets of grandparents who want to see the kids at Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays. And the one word that captures all of that for me is complexity and complexity creates stress. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you've done anything wrong. There's nothing bad or uh, it's just that the dynamics all kick in at one point in time. And it begins to kind of go, whoa, where did this come from? Why is this harder than I thought? It seemed like we had a lot of momentum when we were dating and getting ready for the wedding. And now one kid has changed their tune. And, you know, you and I still love each other, but we really don't know how to parent well together yet. So we got to figure that out. And so really what's happening is you're figuring out romance, how to, how to love one another as husband and wife, and parenting, and step-parenting. And sometimes if you have a co-parent in the other home, kids moving between homes, co-parenting, you're figuring out all of that all at the same time. And it just turns out it's more difficult than most people anticipate. It's chaos. Mm. Mm -hmm. It can be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that way for everybody. There are some step families that have minor bumps in the road. Um, but it's pretty common for the stress to be really pretty high the first year and a half to two years. And then you begin to figure some things out. If you don't figure a few things out, the stress continues to be high. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of couples just don't even survive the first few years. As a matter of fact, here's, here's an interesting stat. Okay. Half of all couples who will divorce in, in a blended family situation would, will do so before year five. So in less than five years, they call it quits. Half of all couples who will divorce. It, what it means is that's the transition time. We call it, I call it the integration years. That's where you're doing all the work of trying to integrate relationships, family story and history and rules and identity and routines and all of that. And if you can survive it, <laughs> you get to the rewards. Yes. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and that's an untold story for a lot of people, but there's definitely rewards. Lots of good things can happen for kids and adults in blended family. It doesn't mean the family's exactly the way you wanted it to be. I don't know any family, biological, first marriage, or 10th marriage, step family, that is exactly the way we want it, but it becomes more like what you had hoped it would be. Right. Now, I find it interesting that you say within the first five years, what we see is more around year three. Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of people will break up. You know, I've heard this story so many times as a therapist. I've, you know, Ron, we met in October you know, online. We uh, <laughs> met face to face in January. We decided to get married in uh, March. We told the kids in April. We got married in June, and here we are in July in your office needing help. <laughs> I hear that all the time. And we wonder why. And we wonder why. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the reason I've spent so much time writing books and web pages and articles and stuff is because this really is a predictable process. I mean, by the way, this is good news and bad news, right? <laughs> yeah. The good news is this is predictable. You are not alone. If you're experiencing that sort of dynamic in your home, and you're going, we must be crazy. What did we do wrong? It's not you. It's the stuff going on within your family and between family members. It's predictable. We can describe it. We can put words on it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be blindsided by this. And then once you, that's what being smart is all about is, okay, this is what is going on with us. And this is how we handle it. Um, now, the bad news is it's kind of an inevitable. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You have to go through this journey, if you will, 
in order to get to the other side. I wish there was a way to skip over it. I haven't quite figured that part out. Um, but I think if you persist and do so with wisdom or smart is another way of saying that, mm -hmm. then the stress comes down, you manage the complexity better, and you start getting the rewards sooner rather than later. Fantastic. Yeah. So before you dive deeper, uh, how did you get into this the step family counseling? You know, I, I'm quick to tell people this is not my life. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in a blended family. I don't live in one now. My wife and I have been married for over 33 years. Congrats. Um, we, yeah. we have three boys. Thank you. Uh, this, I, I, I'm, I'm a therapist. And so I, I, my whole life and career has really been spent trying to help families get stronger or help repair families that are having difficulties. And so in the ministry and in therapy, I found myself working with a lot of blended family couples. And um, I got some really good training in graduate school. And I just started going, yeah, we got to help. So in the church situations that I was working in, we started doing small groups and started talking about this in workshops. And what I didn't know is that nobody else was doing it. That's what I didn't know. And so I, I shouldn't say nobody. There was a few people scattered around the country, but there certainly wasn't any collective wisdom or, or best practices to share. And so we kind of stumbled our way through the first few years, but eventually we kind of hit on a few things that were helpful. I stayed in touch with all the best research, always tried to incorporate that into what I was doing. I let my clients teach me what they needed and put all that together, spent 25 years doing this. This is where I am. So I jokingly like to say I'm the male obstetrician of the step family world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you think about that for a minute, you know what I'm talking know, about. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know any male obstetricians <clears throat> that have actually delivered a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Married it for nine months and no, birthed the child. They didn't do that. But they do know something about the process. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do is I help people understand the process. I think people like you give lots of voice and can flush out your individual experiences of what it is to live in your blended family and people connect to that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I love to do is share stories from people like you because other people connect to that and go, yeah, that's, that's just like us. But at the end of the day, again, there is a process here that's pretty predictable and pretty understandable. You don't have to be blindsided by it. You do have to get smart. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it may take you under. Well, and I think, too, in preparation for being part of a step family, you look at certain things, you read certain things, and you take in all this information. But then when reality comes, it's almost still like a slap in the face because mm -hmm. your emotions get overtaken. And it's more real, I guess, than when you're reading in a book about sure. the way to sure. do it. In our case, I had four kids that I always joke about them planning to burn me at the stake. And But I'm not kidding. I mean, they really were doing everything they could to destroy our marriage. And, you know, we've come a long way. We actually did a video the other day with one of David's sons. And David asked him, so how do you view Lori now? This is the ringleader of burning me at the stake. And um, he said, as a best friend. And I was like, hmm. oh. You know, mm -hmm. that's where we got to. And yeah. that's what we try to tell people is you can be at the very bottom and get to where we are. It just takes yeah. work and patience and dedication and mm -hmm. learning what works for yourself and your blend because th it is a process, but everybody's different. Let, let me see if I can just put some words around what you just described, because what you just said, somebody watching right now is going, yep, yep, I get that. I get that. That's us. So here's, here's the pain points. 
there's a lot wrapped up into that. I, I don't know anything about your family or your situation, so I'm not going to try to guess exactly what's going on with that child, for example. But let me just describe in general what many people can relate to. Okay. When you as husband and wife get married, number one, you have high hopes for the family and the relationships. A, you wouldn't do this if you felt like it was going to add more stress to your kids' lives or somehow not be helpful for them. You wouldn't do it, right? Because you care about your kids. So this is in a way trying to care for your children, not just you because you've fallen in love with a person, but you think it's going to care for them. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden you discover that they don't care about this mattering to them the way you care about this mattering to them. They don't think the stepmom, in this case, Lori, uh, or the stepdad, David, is a great idea. Like they could live without it. Mm -hmm. But you're going, but wait, I need you to need this. Mm -hmm. Okay, now just stop right there and look at that. We have this gap between where the adults are and where the kids are at that moment in time. You want high, high hopes for them. You got high hopes. You, you want the family to bond. You want there to be this sense of togetherness and identity and shared love. And you can see it and taste it. And if they would just agree with you, it would be fine. <laughs> but they're like, sorry, I, you know, it's fine. Lori's a person, but I got a mom. Even if my mom is deceased, I still have a mom and I only have one. Mm -hmm. So it's fine that Lori's here, but she's not my mom. So now we have this gap. And then adults go to work on trying to get kids to want to be up here. And that's probably one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. When you want them to want it the way you want them to want it. Right. Mm -hmm. Now we have a battle of the wills. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so your pain is they don't want it. They don't want me. They're rejecting us. They're rejecting the family. Who am I? I gotta, I'm still cooking all the food and <laughs> doing laundry and taking them to school every day, but they don't give a rip about me. Like that's discouraging and really debilitating and depressing, right? Right. And it's all because of this huge emotional gap between what people want. But here's the deal. If you can find ways of coming and joining them here, it takes the pressure off you, number one. Number two, it takes way a lot of pressure off of them. Mm -hmm. And now they feel like you're there, but you're not asking them to do anything that you need them to do. Right. So you're meeting them where they are. I call this pace, P-A-C-E. You got to pace with the kids. You can't force them up. You got to pace with where they are. And then what happens is slowly but surely there's this passage of time where they're getting to know you, where they're beginning to trust you, where they're beginning to say, okay, you know, Lori's not my mom, but that's okay. I've got room in my heart for another person and she's treating me nice. And well, lo and behold, She's good for my dad. That's another cool thing about her. And so slowly but surely, they're now coming to want this in a way that's genuine for themselves, not just because you need them to want it, but because they want it. Mm -hmm. That's when things get good. Yeah. I know um, with this particular child that we're talking about, I think he was up there in the beginning. And then once I moved in and started telling him what to do, chores, homework, and then of course, I wasn't treating them fair as in their perception as my son. So he got to the bottom level that you're talking about. And then, like you said, mm -hmm. I had to disengage basically to get to that level he was at. Mm -hmm. And we had to learn to trust each other, learn to love each other and learn to care about each other and not just focus on the bad, I guess. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, you two have to find your way mm -hmm. toward a relationship that you both appreciate and value, and you have to find your own motivation to value it. Mm -hmm. um, 
one of the biggest things I wish I could help adults understand going into a new blended family is lower your expectations. It does not mean you're giving up. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, relax. The more you need them to need it, the more the gap grows. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We call that forcing the blend. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Forcing the blend works against you. Mm -hmm. Why? Because blenders have blades. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Somebody's going to get hurt, right? I've got the scars. Yeah, I know. Um, when we talked to Branson the other day, now at the age he is, he's 19? 19. Yeah, 19. Will be next month. Um, he understands why David didn't just kick me out. Mm. He realizes the importance of relationships and that they're not just throwaways. Because mm-hmm. what was one thing we talked to him about? And we asked him, asked him if he met a girl that had kids, if he would be interested in her. And he's like, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) he's not doing the step family thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't recommend it, but been there, done that. Yeah. If you find yourself there, I mean, there's things you can do. Uh, Rod, one of the things we notice a lot is that it, it seems that the women have the toughest time. I'm Mm. wondering, is that uh, because they are the ones seeking help? More often, or is it just because they really do struggle more with the step family situation than it's the men? Because everything gets dumped on them, and they come in acting like a normal mom trying to take over everything. So it's not that they're crazy. Yes, we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think women are a little bit at a disadvantage, and there's this thing we call the motherhood mandate. That is, in sociological terms, it's the the in our culture we expect mom or mom-like people, to be the emotional hub of the home. And to some degree, this is not sexist or gender biased. This is, you know, that's what moms want to do, is like they emotionally connect with their kids. They're in their kids' world. They know what's going on with the math test coming up today, but also that girl that you've kind of been talking to in class, and (laughs) how's that going? And, you know, uh, puberty's hitting and my hair isn't going right. And so moms are in tune with all of that stuff going on with kids. And here's the thing. As a biological mother, you automatically get to be the hub in the middle of a child's life. Mm -hmm. They, you know, you're in the middle and you are in tune and aware and they confide in you and share with you and, and you know them. I mean, from the womb, you know them. Like that's just this beautiful, magical relationship. Stepmoms naturally want to fill that space, I think, and have great intentions and want to move into that. Well, let's look at it from a child's point of view. Hey, I've got a hub already, a biological mother who's in my life who fills that role for me. You moving into that space implies you're moving her out, and that ain't ever going to happen, right? Right. So the loyalty kicks in at that point, and, and you're out. And so stepmom's trying hard in good ways, in positive ways, and I would say even in the right way, but there's just no space. The hub is filled. Even again, I always repeat this because even if biological mother is deceased, there's only one. Right. And emotionally for a child, that, that hub is still filled. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they can't find a place for you in their world and in their heart, but it just means you're still not going to be, you're not going to replace mom. Right. And the minute you, and the minute you, try and presuppose and even communicate that you are going to fill that spot in their life, they're probably just going to push you out. And they just dug in their heels a little bit firmer. So that, that works against you more often than not. Right. Um, 
Now, men, honestly, don't try to be that emotional hub. Let, let me do it this way. Here's an, here's an extreme example to make a point. How, what's more common? Um, deadbeat dads who walk away and never come back into their child's life or deadbeat moms? Ah, uh, good point. These days, the mom. The, David. <laughs> <laughs> It does. I'm happen. sorry. I'm speaking from my experience, not yours. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were. Without saying anything, I knew you were. <laughs> um, more often than not, it's men who are able to do that. And what is that? I don't know. You know, we just can compartmentalize our world, and unfortunately, we can walk away from people we're emotionally connected to, even our kids. You don't see too many. There are a whole lot of whole lot more single moms mm-hmm. than there are single dads, mm-hmm. right? Women tend to be that emotional hub and pursue that in relationship with kids. That motherhood mandate means you get fired as a stepmom. They don't want you to be that place. I, let me, that's too harsh. Let me, let me soften that a little bit. <laughs> they decide when you get to be in their heart. Right. And so if you are trying to push your way into that, then it just invites resistance. Um, by the way, we do know from research that stepmothers and stepdaughters is the most difficult combination of all the different potential step relationships. Now, why is that? Because you have two sets of women who, who think hub, who think relational connection, and they take things very seriously in terms of those relationships. And so girls have, who have you know, a decent relationship with their biological mother already have that. Mm-hmm. They just don't need that stepmom moving into that space. It it just kind of creates a uh, some extra challenge there. Stepdads and stepsons is the easiest bonding combination. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy for any two people. Right. It's just easier on in all things being equal. Often they can do the guy thing. They can go hunting or fishing or play sports or you know find some point of connection. And men tend to be side by side in our relationships rather than nose to nose like women do. Women go out and talk (laughs) and men go and do things with each other side by side, right? So stepfathers and stepsons can do that and it's less intense. And that just lends itself towards building a relationship. Right. Yeah. I know you had said something about lowering your expectations. We had started our website, um, Holly, what, seven, eight years ago now? Seven, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. David kind of created it for me to vent. Uh, <laughs> yep. But one of the blogs that he actually wrote was about lowering your expectations because right. that's what he had to do. And it's not mm-hmm. saying that your expectations, like you said, are wrong or too high or unrealistic for things, but you can't have nuclear expectations for a step family. You can't expect yep. everything to come together. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we tend to see is oftentimes the the stepmom, particularly since she's typically the one that's having the, the hardest time, is many times they focus on the step kids being the center of the problems. And, mm. and what we have found, and I'd like to understand how what you have found, is once we start peeling back that onion some, we we really find out that it's typically it's the communication or the lack of communication between the two parents in the relationship mm. that really is the problem, the stepkids are more of a symptom of what's going on uh, and mm-hmm. not the problem. It's the lack of parenting by the bio parent or it's too much, too much parenting by the step parent uh, or the lack of communication between the two is, it's rarely uh, the, the kid themselves. 
Right. I, I like the way you said that. I, it's or, 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 or. And, and my experience is it's all the above often. Like there's many things going on. First of all, I, I neglected to say earlier, but so let me just add this. If a stepmom is also a biological mom, she knows what it is to be the emotional hub with her child. She naturally wants to try to do that and serve that capacity for her stepchildren. That just makes it even more confusing. Like, It's like a split personality. <laughs> absolutely. You don't know who you are, right? In this moment with my kid, I can be that. And I know exactly what, is, what it is and what it feels like and what my child needs from me. Then the minute I step over here with stepkids, well, maybe there's one of them I can kind of do that. It's kind of working pretty well, but there's two that are like, talk to the hand. I don't need you. <laughs> you know, and so now I don't know who I am. I don't know how to parent that child. It's so confusing depending on who we're talking about. So when, you know, peeling back the layers, there, there could be that going on. And you have this expectation of, hey, come join us. Be happy with this family that we've created. And we know that there's going to be some reward and blessings for you in this family. If you'll just let it happen, but kids just for whatever reason don't. And that's frustrating. Then there's the, um, the bio dad's expectation of the stepmom, mm -hmm. right? He's got an opinion about who we should be. I, I've talked with lots of guys who say, man, I tell my wife, just parent my kids, bank them. I don't care. You know, they treat them like they're your own. And I love his intentionality with that. He's trying to empower his wife. He's saying, you're my wife. 100%. Don't hesitate parent my kids. But what he doesn't understand is that she can't. Like that, that's a setup for failure because his kids don't treat her the way they treat him yeah. or the way they treat their biological mother. There's, there's different responses mm -hmm. to the same behavior from different people. And so his expectation then becomes part of what you need to unravel. Mm -hmm. um, then they made communication difficulties. Uh, we don't agree on how to have consequences or what the rules should be or right so sometimes a guy says be their mom and really what he means is i don't want to be the dad <laughs> yep <laughs> so i need you to be the mom yep. i'm gonna go work for 60 hours and i'm gonna spend my time hunting and fishing and doing and and i'm leaving i've just hired you i mean i married you <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah, to be their mom. And no, that's a setup, right? You got to continue to be the dad mm -hmm. involved and engaged. And especially in those first few integration years, the bio dad in that scenario has to really implement consequences and be the one when you got to do the tough stuff, he needs to do it. Why? Because he has a clearly defined relationship with his kid. He is the dad in the story. They accept it. He accepts it. His authority stands on its own. Mm -hmm. Stepmom's trying to create authority. She's trying to create trust. She's trying to create respect. She has to earn it. Right. So he, if he does his job early, it allows her time to grow a relationship with the kids where she then can be mom-like mm -hmm. more and more over time. It's a matter of timing. And by the way, everything we've just said, I think also applies the other way. Bio moms stepdads. Uh, it just tends to be a little easier for stepdads on the whole than it does for stepmoms, but the process of parenting seems to be the same. So yes, there's a number of layers. You have to unpack all that and try to get all of those things working in the right direction and things get better. You know, with my son being so young, when David and I got married, he has 
a different relationship with him. And I, I thought it was more because of Jackson's age, but it may just be what you're talking about, the stepdad and the stepson versus a stepmother and, you know, the stepsons. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, it's just one, one factor. David thinks it's because he's awesome. It's just simply because I'm awesome. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> all right. That's all we need. Another cheerleader for David. <laughs> One thing we found too, and I'm sure you find it as well, that people just naturally don't look for help or ask for help mm. until they're just at their wits end. They don't know what else to do. You know, mm. not when things first get bumpy, but they wait and hope things will change with them not changing or doing anything to change. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's okay, we're getting divorced or, you know, this has got to happen. And then it's unrealistic things that they're coming up with should happen. We've seen people say, well, your kids cannot come to my home. Now these people are married, (laughs) you know, they're married, but one person still calls it their home because it was theirs before they got married. And it's your child cannot come here. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but if David ever told me that, or if I ever told him that, that would be the end. Yeah, you know, sometimes that is a, you know, some people do that from the start, but more often than not, that's a symptom of we're feeling the stress. Mm-hmm. And here's what stress does in blended families. It, it adds to the division. It, it makes people hold on closer to their blood relationships. It makes biological parents side with their kids against their spouse or their stepkids. So that's when you hear that sort of language. It's now, it's now us versus you. Right. And, and that's a symptom of we can't figure out how to join. So I'm, I'm starting to go back where it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just adds to unraveling the family. It does. Yeah, I want couples to persist in moving toward one another when the stress goes up in their blended family, not pull back and start guarding their kids and protecting themselves because that just makes things worse. Yeah. And we've seen more and more where the, they'll split up the parents get another house. Yeah. Me and my son would go live somewhere else and no, we're still married, but that's, that's the way they found for that to work, but it's really not working. It's, you know, it it seems like that's the go-to nowadays. Yeah. It's not, they're not merging. Mm -hmm. They're just in, intentionally living separate lives. Yeah. Well, you're not dealing with the problems. You're, you're removing the problems. And then when you come back together, they're still there. Right. And so you're never yeah. solving the issues. Let me say something, Lori, about your observation that people uh, don't seek out help until maybe, you know, things are really bad. And I think that's generally true. By the way, that's true of all couples. Uh, really fascinating research done a number of years ago. The average couple uh, who's in marital distress, first marriage or second marriage, whatever the case may be, waits four years before they call a counselor. Ouch. Wow. Four years, right? <laughs> and so, you know, the first rule of thumb, if you have a cold and it doesn't go away in two weeks, go to the doctor. Yeah, you're not right? going to wait I mean, four years. <laughs> there's something else going on. Like, but But now I have to deal with my pride. Now I have to be humble and go, I got an issue or we have a problem and uh, we don't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for blended family couples, you have this added thing of embarrassment sometimes like, gosh, uh, didn't ever want to be a failure. But sure enough, my first spouse left and had to go through that sense of failure. That's a word people use about their own situation. And now I'm feeling failure come on again. I am really embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like what's wrong with me? And so reaching out for help or 
even trying to buy a book or, you know, go ask pastor for a recommendation or something just is embarrassing. Yeah. It's like airing your dirty laundry. (laughs) Yeah. And it's another reason not to take action. And I guess I don't know what else to say about that other than uh, the longer you wait, the worse things get, you know, Mm -hmm. and and here's the deal. People used to say to me all the time, I can't find any resources. (laughs) Look, look, I I am into our ministry. is going to put out more resources and materials in the next 12 months than the first 15 years I was involved in ministry worldwide. All right. We are cranking stuff out. You can't say that anymore. There is good, solid books, videos, materials. Last Saturday, we just did an event called Blended and Blessed. It was a one-day live stream event. People all over the world were participating in this live stream by through the internet. And if you missed it, you can access it free for up to a year. Uh, hello, yeah. that there's no excuse anymore. You can sit in your home and on your smartphone, you can watch this event and you can learn how to strengthen the relationships in your home, specifically designed for blended families. That has never existed until we created it starting three years ago. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff happening now. You don't have a reason to just be lost. You just got to go find it. Yeah, we find a lot of that's laziness and it's Funny, we have a Facebook group, and mm-hmm. in the group, the first section, you know, the rules of be nice to each other kind of thing. Uh-huh. It also uh-huh. says check out the blogs and the website to get a better understanding of what Nacho Kids is, mm-hmm. or you know, what the Nacho Method is. People will be in the group six months and they go, "Well, what's Nacho one?" <laughs> <laughs> and I try really hard not to go. Did you read the top of the thing you see every day when you come in here? <laughs> but it's like you almost have to spoon feed it to them. But then we found there are those that really won't help. Mm-hmm. And there are those that just want to keep complaining. They, they want you to tell them how they can continue doing everything they're doing, but yet still fix the problem. Or justify that they're right. Yeah. 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 So we're back to pride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, not, and let me just say, I'm a recovering pride of Okay. <laughs> I I get that. I I have this sense that, you know, what I say is best and my wife should just go, Ron, you're the man. And uh, <laughs> there's something in me that just would love for her to do that every single day. And, you know, to me, it's a spiritual endeavor <laughs> when I stand before my Lord and I just kind of go, you know what? I so don't have life figured out and I so need somebody to tell me how to live life better. And I just got to put aside my pride and be humble about who I am and own up, look in the mirror and go, there's some stuff on Ron I still got to work on. Uh, None of us are going to arrive this side of heaven. That's my firm belief. So life is a journey of laying my, my pride aside and humbly receiving how I can be a better person, better husband, better father. It's not easy, but it's a really good journey. It's a really good journey. Oh, yeah. I was hesitant at first about sharing our story, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not just airing our dirty laundry. It's spreading it to the world. Once <laughs> you put it on the Internet, you know, everybody can hear it. And right. I was real hesitant of that. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, what we went through and where we have come can help so many people. It's denying people by not sharing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I f- yeah. felt like we owed it to. Yeah. You know, you want it. You want what you went through to be a greater purpose than just, you know, you figured it out for yourself. And that was that was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah. I think we need to have your wife on there on here to, at some point to confirm <clears throat> the Ron is the best thing. But <laughs> well, well, Ron, oh, no, 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 she she won't confirm that. <laughs> she won't. <laughs> so, so Ron, I'll tell you a funny story about is uh, it hashtag yes oh, about Lori. So, um, I'm always picking on her all the time about you know, all the about, time. about me being right about things, and and so uh, I got on this kick where I would I would tell her something and she and she would say, "Yeah, you're right," and I'd be like, "Hashtag David is right." And so, uh, anyway, she comes on one day. She's got a T-shirt she hadn't made that has hashtag David is right. <laughs> and she gives That's me the T-shirt. Great. That is great. Yeah, we were doing one of our coaching calls in the academy, and somebody said, yeah, yeah, David, you're right. And I'm like, oh, no, do not tell him that, please. <laughs> now we get to hear it the rest of the call, you know. Yeah. Now I have to sell the shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, when you go through most of your life being wrong, it's nice to be right <laughs> I do have another question from you, and I'm curious as to your answer since um, you're not in the step family, you know, mm-hmm. yourself, but um, you deal with so many of them. One of the things that seems to really upset people is when, especially women in the groups, they'll say, you should love them like your own. That mm. is like taking a match and sticking it up under these people. And I understand mm. why, because they're not mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've even talked to our kids about it. And our kids would be offended if we did love the other kids like our own. But, mm. you know, as a stepmom, you are expected to love them like your own, treat them like your own, you know, everything. And I think that puts unreasonable pressure on stepmoms. I agree. I agree. I think you can acknowledge and say, uh, okay, let me pull back a second and, and compare it to something everybody can relate to. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a mom and I have a mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> know where this is going. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, but I don't love her the way I love my mom. You know, I treat her with the same respect. I try to honor her in every way that I can. It's not the same. Uh, it, it, what, you know, the warm fuzzies on the inside are different. The, the emotional connection is different. It's more of a choice, less of an automatic emotional connection. But on the outside, I do try to love them equally um, in the sense that I try to show respect and behave in ways that honor both of them. Mm-hmm. So what's on the outside? I think you can say, hey, love them like you're on the outside. Meaning, treat them fairly, treat them with respect, love them the way you would love somebody, you, you know, I think Jesus said, love everybody, you know, so on some standard, that's the same, but what's on the inside is going to vary and giving yourself permission. The flip side of this is a lot of step parents feel guilty that they don't love them like their own, right? You know, Hey, don't put that on yourself. Look, it's okay. You know, some of us got brothers and sisters that we love our brothers and sisters, but there's some, we just get along with a little easier, a little better. Some of us have cousins. Some people say, I grew up with him. It's like my brother, but he's my cousin. Then there's another cousin that you just rather not talk to except once a year. They're still family. They're still connected. We still have some measure of loyalty to them. It's okay if you have different inside feelings toward bio children compared to stepchildren. What you don't do is let that influence the outside so that you spend $100 on your kid's Christmas gift but 10 bucks on your stepchild's. You don't do that. Right. Like right. That's, not, that's not living love outwardly mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, in an equitable way. So I think, you know, cut yourself a break. Mm-hmm. 
Did Definitely. You, you mentioned, I'm going I'm to go back about 20 minutes ago, but oh, you, <laughs> you mentioned uh, problems with the, the stepmom and, and the stepdaughter and how, how much friction is there. We often hear people refer to the stepdaughter as, a, as the mini wife. Mm. <laughs> Do you hear that term and what does that mean uh, to you? Again, so it's kind of a, another term would be a parentified child, and oftentimes that is the oldest girl who, or whatever, and it, it all comes back to this cultural, societal expectation that women do stuff inside the home. And so, you know, he's a single dad and uh, either divorced or widowed, let's say, and sure enough, he needs a little help with the younger siblings. So the oldest daughter kind of helps caretake. She makes dinner three times a week or what, you know, and, and so... First of all, let me just say that there can be some functionality to that that is not too much of a burden on a child. Uh, some kids are fully prepared. And one of the things we know of children of divorce is that they tend to be good, responsible adults because they've grown up having to carry some extra weight that other kids don't have to carry, as long as it's not excessive. Right. What you don't want is that daughter being, I mean, the mini wife, okay, the mini mom might be okay. But the mini wife, yeah, that's a little weird, you know. <laughs> I agree. You know, there's there's other terms for that. So we <laughs> we uh, yeah, and just relying on her all the time, you know, no, that that can be excessive and a burden on a child. But it does kind of walk into the space of when the stepmom enters the picture, is she having to dethrone the princess? <laughs> yes, and sometimes she is. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it harder. That just pits them one against the other. Again, it's a, it's a problem. I've long said one of the best predictors of a healthy blended family is whether or not the single parent, whether dad or mom, the health of the single parent home. If a single parent lets kids be kids and does not parentify them, does not over rely on them, uses them, there's some functionality there, but doesn't become the mini wife scenario or the mini husband scenario. And if that single parent continues to parent with boundaries and enforce consequences and be the dad, Mm -hmm. be the mom, rather than getting, I could use a technical term, wimpy with (laughs) their kid during the single parent years where then kids do whatever they want. And now all of a sudden a step parent's telling them they can't do what they want. That's a setup. But if a step, if a single parent does a good job in the single parent years, it does make things a little easier when a step parent comes into it. Doesn't make it perfect, but it certainly it helps. Yeah, and I see a lot of times the stepmom's complaining about the stepdaughter will sit right beside the husband or uh-huh. you know whatever. Well, I'm a daddy's girl. And <laughs> yeah. there are many times I push my mom out of the way and just plopped up on my daddy's lap and so I right. don't look at it as a step family issue. I just look at it as a father-daughter bond. Some exactly. some people have it and some don't. And, you know, honestly, it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Is this a step family thing or is this just what kids do? I, I don't know that you can tell the difference sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm always interested in pattern more than any given moment. A little girl may come in and kind of slide in between stepmom and dad and, you know, declare this is her place, mm-hmm. right? That can happen on any given day. No big worries. If that happens repetitively over and over and over and over, that's telling you something. Right. There's a pattern there and the pattern needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And that would be bio dad's job 
to say, honey, why don't you come sit on this side? She's sitting right there with me. Well, that used to be my spot. I know it did. That was your spot for a really long time. And then lo and behold, Lori came into the picture and life is a little different now. And you know what, honey, if I were you, I'd be kind of mad that you can't sit right there like you used to. I get that. I just really get that. Here, give me a big hug. I love you. You're still my princess. Now sit over here. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a whole lot wrapped into that. I'm acknowledging that for you, this is a change you didn't ask for. Right. I'm having compassion on another thing you have to deal with because of choices the adults in your life make. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's really important that parents get that. But that doesn't mean you get to sit where you want to sit. That doesn't mean you make the rules. I'm still the dad. I make the rules. I'm going to give you a little love and attention right now, but you're still going to sit on the other side. That little shift, that compassion, that little heart for his daughter, and then moving her to the place where she does have a place so his wife also has a place is a huge moment. Mm -hmm. If he lives that out day in and day out, Pretty soon, everybody's going to adjust to the new pattern, and we've got an opportunity for the family to connect. It may not, the, 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 that stepdaughter's uh, acceptance of the stepmom still may take a while, mm-hmm. but at least they're set up to get there because dad is still in charge of what's happening with his daughter. It's when dad gets wimpy and lets her sit there. And then he looks at his wife and she's giving him the evil eye, like mm-hmm. do something. And he goes, no, I can't do anything. I'm, I've, you know, I'm going to let her sit there. That's when we have a problem. Yeah, that's what um, David has. You know, people talk about guilty parent syndrome. It's more commonly referred in the Facebook groups as guilty dad syndrome, which I find interesting. But David calls it GPS. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And, you know, it's hard to admit, but I have it. You know, Mm. my son, he's always had to go to his dad's every other weekend. And come Wednesday, I kind of get sad that he's going to his dad's. And then if he does something, it's like, well, I don't want to fuss at him. And the last thing I want my child to do is come to me and say, I'm going to live with my dad. Mm -hmm. So that fear is Mm -hmm. always in the back of your head thinking, oh, if you do this, you know. Mm -hmm. But the reality that David and I have came to is if he wouldn't have split up with his ex, he would parent his kids completely different than he does. Mm. You know, he's, he's not wimpy, but he's not as um, hard nosed. <laughs> I was trying to think of yep. a, you know, tight rope kind of thing because he did have that same fear. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think I'm a little more empathetic than I yeah. would be otherwise. Otherwise I think I'd just be direct and not really empathetic. And just, you know, when I say it goes, period. Now, well, And you didn't want every time that you had the kids, it'd be you fussing at them constantly when they didn't get that at the other side. Right. No, because for, for me, I felt like I, I was already robbed from a, a number of years of their life just because the, the divorce happened. And so mm-hmm. I didn't I knew I wasn't going to be the fun time dad, but I also did not want to be uh, have them come in and, and there would be negativity going on all the time. And then they're going back to their bio moms and, and getting away from the negativity. And then they just don't want to come anymore because you want to avoid the negative and you want to take the path of least resistance. Right. And, and let's just process that for a second, because that's, that's a very important dynamic. It does change you as a parent. Um, it, it being empathetic, I think is a, is a good quality listening, slowing down, hearing what's going on with them. As long as you don't get 
sympathetic to the point of being paralyzed, that's when this creates a problem. When guilt makes you paralyzed, now you're not doing what you would normally do as a parent. You're not following through with the consequence. You're getting wimpy. You're going soft on letting them out of something. All because you're afraid you might lose them to the other home. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a recipe for disaster. Right. That just trains kids that all they have to, they have leverage. Oh yeah. You know? And so if they get wind of that, and by the way, there's at least one of them that will catch on, <laughs> uh, if not all of them, then you've really undone yourself and it sets the step parent up for more conflict with the stepchildren. It makes bonding more difficult. It pits you as step parent and bio parent against one another because you're not following through. You said you would, but now you're not with your kids. Yeah. But what if my former wife does this or this? You know, it gets complicated fast. At the end of the day, you got to take a deep breath sometimes and find the courage to do what you know is the right parenting thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you get disempowered. It unravels the marriage in your blended family. Kids figure out they can get away with things and their behavior tends to drift in the wrong directions. Yeah. And so it is risky. Now, what I won't say to people is, look, just find the courage and do the right thing and it'll all work out. I'm not going to make that promise Mm -hmm. because kids sometimes do say, fine, I'm going to mom's house because mom left them. Right. Mm -hmm. It, it, it does happen. Um, more often than not, that doesn't happen. And if something like that does, it usually is short lived. They go to mom's house and find out, gosh, she's a worse parent than you are. (laughs) And, uh, and so they come back, you know, I'm just saying that there's risk in it. Right. And, and there's no way around it mm-hmm. to be divorced or to, to be a single parent and then be in a blended family means you have less parental influence than if you were in your first marriage. It's just inevitable. Right. But don't make it worse by going soft. Right. Good. good. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So in the opener, we brought up the fact that you're working on a new book. So I wanted to dive into that just a little bit before we close out here. Okay. Uh, I know it's uh, September, I believe, is when it's coming out. So we have a, I have a little while before it comes out. Right. So I hope we can yep. hope we can get you back on the show to talk specifically about that topic because I know some things about that topic. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. I'd like to to talk that uh, talk that talk with you for a little while. But tell us about what the book's about and and what uh, what drove you to to write that. So many years ago, about 20 years ago, as a matter of fact, I went and did a step family conference in Springfield, Illinois, and a couple was there and I met them and we got to spend some time together afterwards, went out for dinner. Greg Pettis is a certified financial planner and he and I started talking. He lives in a blended family. They'd been at the conference, you know, and I said, you know, I don't know anything about this money management stuff, but I know that that causes a lot of conflicts for couples. And he said, yeah, someday we should write a book together. (laughs) Well, we just did. There you go. Um, So Greg and another guy, David Edwards, a friend of his who was an estate planning attorney, uh, we combined. I think it's this, it's kind of like the beginning of a bad joke. (laughs) A family therapist, a financial planner, and an estate attorney walked into a book together, you know? (laughs) Now I've heard that's what just happened. I've heard that name before, David Edwards. He, does he do Mm -hmm. other things? Um, uh, well, he's he, he's an attorney, but he specializes in estate planning. So I'm not sure yeah. what else he would be for. Yeah. Okay, he just, that name just sounds um, familiar. But anyway, go ahead, talk about yeah. your book. <laughs> yeah. So, so really, what we tried to do is we tried to deal with what we call the above the surface 
financial issues and the below the surface dynamics that are happening within those. So for example, um, I worked with a couple one time and he really wanted his wife to uh, merge their money into one bank account. And he's like, you know, it's not a big deal. We'll just be able to track our money better in and out and her kids, my kids. And, but she won't do it. She won't put all the money in one account. And he looked at me and he said, isn't that what marriage is? It's about oneness. And how can we have oneness if she won't be one? Her concern was, now, see, above the surface, there's a question of, do we have one bank account or two or maybe three? Right. Yours, mine, and an hours. Like, there's a lot of different ways we can cut this. But below the surface was the fear that you don't love me the way I want you to love, that I need you to love. Mm-hmm. And by the way, my first wife dumped me and ran off with another guy. So there's some bruises on his heart and he's, he doesn't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. So it's very understandable mm-hmm. that he now thinks this is a symptom of her level of commitment to him. And so he needs her to want to put the money into one bank. His See, needs hers. <laughs> yes. So there's the below the surface. We got to deal with that fear and that bruise on his heart and that worry because he'll never be okay with two bank accounts. Turns out she had a legitimate reason for two bank accounts. Um, Her former spouse was pretty contentious. They'd been to court a number of times. He pays child support. To be able to track and show the court money in, money out, care for the children, she needed a separate account. That's a legitimate reason Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with her commitment to her new husband. Right. But until we deal with his below the surface issues, the new husband's not going to be okay with us, right? Yeah. There's lots of ways you can manage money, but coming together and and feeling confident in your relationship is really what's going to make the difference. So just real quick, we, we, money divides a lot of people, especially in blended families, because there's so many complex layers. What if my new spouse dies? Who will care for my kids? How's that going to go if I'm not here? All those kind of questions need to be asked. Those are above the surface questions with below the surface implications. We try to help people in this book finance togetherness. We want money to be a tool that actually increases your confidence in your family and your direction and where you're going and how you provide for new spouses and children after you die. And that's really what we've tried to do. So yep. the smart step family guide to financial planning. Well, you can buy it now on Amazon, by the way. Yes, you can. Oh, cool. You can pre-order. Ah, I've already done it. Go. Yeah. So, I'm so looking that... forward to reading that because we um, do see a lot of issues where people do have separate accounts because they don't want their husband spending money for their kid on his kids, or he's got four kids. I've got one. Let's split the grocery bill. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, it, they go to extremes a lot of times with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. <clears throat> I was going to ask him, uh, does he think that you should still have your nest egg of money to, so that if we get divorced, you can run off and, and have a lot of money? <laughs> uh, I don't think that's what Mr. Deal's here to talk about. <laughs> I'll tell you. Here's, I, here's what I would say. Here, let me give you an answer. Okay. Not to your specific question. Um, the answer is there's not a black and white answer. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to pay for that later on, buddy. Uh, I, look, I, I, when we both got married, it was we had our money together, which you know, a lot of people thought we were crazy. We had our money together, but we both we both had some money stashed away because it was like, just I, I love her, 
and, she, mm. and, and I love him, but just in case it doesn't work That's out, <laughs> but you know, we finally, I mean, we finally quit doing that. But, and, and like you said, it was okay. Well, she didn't quit doing it, but I did. <laughs> At least she found my stash. So, uh, um, That's a true story. <laughs> but we got to the point where that wasn't, you know, like you said, there was a, there was a surface level thing in a, in the under the surface thing. And I think once our relationship got better, it just wasn't a, as big of a deal as it was before. We didn't need that parachute. Yeah. What, what's ironic about setting up a financial trust to, pro, to provide for your kids and your spouse is you've got to have relational trust mm-hmm. before you can have a financial trust. Mm-hmm. You can set up legal terms for a trust and then not be confident in one another and it will never fly. It'll never work. You got to do work below the surface and above the surface so that you can finance togetherness. Right. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, I had came from a relationship that um, I was stuck. You know, I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, I had just started a new job, didn't have a whole lot of savings, you know. So um, but when David and I got married, I had a house, you know, for my son and I. And I sold my house and I had always told myself I will never be stuck again. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's just enough money for a down payment on an apartment. I will have Mm -hmm. that money as a backup. I mean. Look, seven years ago, it almost happened. So good thing I had yeah. that. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And as your confidence grows, that'll that'll shift how you deal with money and how you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Ron, if you'll hang around after we stop the recording, I do want to thank you for being on the podcast, but I want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you and, and find your resources. Thank you. Um, familylife.com is where you will find us. Familylife.com. Family Life is a very large international marriage and family organization, and we have tons of resources available. Our division is called Family Life Blended, so you'll see it once you click on familylife.com. Free articles, videos, uh, resources, stuff you can buy if you want to buy, but you don't have to. Like, it's just there. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Family Life Blended. On Twitter, Ron L. Deals, you can follow me. And um, every day we're pushing out two or three, four tips, tools, resources, videos, content, to try to help and encourage families, as well as doing special events. I speak around the country on a regular basis. On and on it goes. We're, we're trying to really resource families to be successful. Fantastic. Right. And the education's out there and the information's out there, but people have to take action. Right. That's yep. the only way you improve yep. your marriage. Well, thanks again. It's been fantastic having yes, you on the podcast. Is. Great. Good. Thank nice you. Nice to meet you guys. Right. Thanks. You Take care. I can't wait to have Ron back on as a guest. I know. And I thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, of course, we did the, the video with him too. And it's kind of, you know, it was fun watching some. <laughs> Sometimes he'd crack up at things we were saying. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you are kind of funny, David. Well, Ron's a laughter dude. He doesn't have a, some kind of a, a laugh and learn, yeah. something like that. Yeah. he's He's got something where he goes around telling jokes and. I didn't say <laughs> it's not like he's a comedian. You have to be a comedian in this business. <laughs> he conducts laugh and learn marriage and family seminars around the country. Yeah, it's a comedy show. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that's how Ron wants you to promote it, David. <laughs> be like, sorry, Ron. It was all David. Yeah. I'm sure he has some, uh, some pretty funny stories uh, to tell. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, I like the fact that he talks about dating and marriage mm-hmm. or dating versus marriage. Big difference, folks. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, oftentimes we have people say everything was great until we got married. 
And then that's usually when I say, well, then maybe you should go back and look at what you were doing differently. <laughs> yeah. Or go back to treating the kids, the stepkids, as you would when you were dating their dad. Right. That's my parent, point. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you were dating them, you had a whole different way you acted toward everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you got married and it's like, oh, <laughs> gloves yeah. coming off now. It's like when you give somebody, you ever had a job where somebody was kind of all cool and everything as long as they were at the same rank as everybody else and then as soon as they got promoted to something oh they turn into yeah i am the man exactly i think sometimes that happens in blended families too oh uh, you talking about women uh exactly uh, please clarify <laughs> I, I don't need to clarify yes you do <laughs> sometimes you know the woman women comes, get to control the and woman comes in and and they're dating and everything's great and then as soon as they're married now, and they're promoted to they're wife promoted to wife and then they take that role now, uh, let me first, before all these women start sending me hate mail, let me also say that most of the men want them in that role. Mm-hmm. Or they, they think push. they do. Well, yeah, initially they want them in that role, right? right. So they, they set, these are the expectations that we have for each other. Um, and, and it's not that women are just busting up in there and taking control, even though I'm sure it happens. It's more that they're busting up in there and taking control. And, and a lot of that, the husband or, or male, I'll say, because sometimes they're not married, that's the expectations they have for that person too. Yeah. So it is, it's not all on the woman. Yeah. But it's so hard because you hear to stepmoms, this is what they'll hear. You should love them like your own. You should treat them as your own. When you married him, you took them on as a package, blah, blah, blah. But then in the same breath, it's you can't discipline those kids, but you can make sure that they're fed, bathed, homework done, I love the babysitter type roles or nanny type roles, but you can't discipline them because mm-hmm. that's where the issue comes. Right. So to women, most of the time we hear that as, oh, you can bust your butt and take care of my kid. But when it comes to telling my kid, no, they can't do something or putting them in time out, that's not your place. Right. Yeah. Can't have your cake and eat it too there, sunshine. No, not oftentimes. And, and I think, you know, we talk about society and how they, you know, push a lot of that on people because you you let a stepmom talk about how she's, uh, you know, she's not doing certain things for kids. And you'll have Ooh. the the non-step family, non-blended family people out there. They will absolutely, you know, verbally crucify you because you're not doing those things. Uh, not just the non-blended families. The oh, blended wow. families will. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. But it's funny that oftentimes the ones, the blended family people that do, you know, crucify you for that are, you know, when you ask them, well, how's your blended family situation? Oh, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Or, <laughs> oh, it's perfect. I raised my stepdaughter as my own and I'm friends with her mom and we go shopping together and I've got the bonus mom shirt to wear to the football games and she's got the real mom shirt to wear and yeah. life's just great. Well, then no, you're not going to understand why people nacho no. or and need it, to. And if you've got that kind of situation, then that's fabulous. Yeah, dude. You need to be thanking God every day when you say your prayers that you didn't have to go through the crap we did. Yeah, that's that's great. And But it still goes to show what we talked about in the opener of the podcast that everybody has very different dynamics. And you have to be able to understand what those are before you start doling out information. It'd be like going to the doctor and the doctor not checking you at all and just saying, well, you 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 come in here and you had a cough, so you know apparently you got you had, bronchitis. Yeah, you got bronchitis. So here you go. The next thing you know, you die from the flu. <laughs> or you know, you come <laughs> in and you have a cough, and they're like, "Oh, you, it's okay. It's you know, 
You just it's had a tick. You just had a tickle in your throat. You're good. Yeah, yeah you're good. So yeah, you got to dig deeper into that. And dude, when we're in the academy, it is so. I hate to use the word funny, um, but it's interesting that when we're in the coaching calls and, and people come in and are like, okay, what kind of what kind of problems are you having? What's what's your stressor? And within the first five minutes, they're talking about it, and then you kind of have one way that you're thinking that that they're you know they're having to deal with certain things, but 10 minutes into it, 15 minutes into it, you're like, wait a minute, we're on a completely different track now. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done, dug deep enough, you know, we're now seeing that the problem is not what you're talking about. You know, what you're talking about is a symptom. To me, when the stepmom can look at the situation and say, wait a minute, it's not the stepkids that are the problem per se. It's the issue I have with how they are being, how they are or are not being parented by the bio parent. Mm-hmm. To me, that's woohoo, you made it from step one to step two. Right. So now let's go to step two because you have to realize that that is part of the process or the journey of the Nacho Kids method is realizing that, yeah, the stepkids might be hellions, but why are they that way? Because their dad lets them be that way or their mom lets them be that way. So the anger is misguided. And yeah. I don't even want to say anger, but frustration. Yeah, it's we do see that. They definitely have the frustration toward the kids. And then you see, typically within the first couple of weeks, we start seeing that switch from, okay, now I see that the kids' attitudes are the symptoms. The kids being crazy is a symptom. That's not the problem. And that's where... You know, that's where we want people to be. You can't fix what's happening until you know what the problem actually is. Otherwise, you're just treating symptoms. Well, and that's why I don't come out and say one of the things or one of the rules of Nacho Kids is that it's not the stepkids. It's usually the parenting mm-hmm. because I really want them to come to that themselves. Right. But then, like I said, when you get to step two, that's when you have to address things like, no, your significant other is not wimpy because he's not disciplining his kids like you think he should. So that's when you address that whole gamut of things. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a process. And But I love it when I see people go, oh, wait a minute. It's not little Susie and the fact that she draws all over the walls. It's that dad sits there and watches her and doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're kids. And I can tell you probably very few of you were perfect kids. <laughs> I know how I was. Yes, we will not discuss that. <laughs> but I also know that every person will do whatever they can get away with. Yeah, that's even as Pushing adults. Even yep. as adults, you do that. Yep. So. so anyway, a few things real fast. I like how Ron agrees with lowering expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that y'all have heard the term mini wife. Um I think Ron may have broken me from saying that <laughs> after um, I kind of thought about it a little bit. And he referred to it as parentified child. Hmm. So parentified child sounds a whole lot better than mini wife. And um, if you caught on to that in the podcast, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds kind of disturbing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed the podcast with Ron Deal. I know we did. And... Check out his books. They're really good. And I'm looking forward to the financial step family book because we deal with that every day with finances. And finances are a big issue in nuclear families. Mm-hmm. You add the blended family to it. Woo, low. Yeah. Well, I, I know when you and I first got married, there was this whole discussion about 
child, child support. How are we going to handle child support? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, I mean, what we decided was basically that you're, I wasn't paying child support, nor was I getting child support, but you were. So, you know, it wasn't really something we had to discuss on my side of things, but, um, you know, if, if I had been paying that, then there would have been the whole question of it. Do we put our money together because I'm having to pay child support and you're getting child support and, and how, what do we do with that money and how does it come into the family? And yeah, does my go? child support go for things your kids might need yeah. and, <laughs> or you're getting, you know, a thousand dollars a month for child support and I'm having to pay a thousand dollars a month for child support. So we just kind of funnel the money yeah, through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure kind of happens. And sometimes that's actually funny if you think about it, yeah. but no, I'm not getting a thousand dollars a month child support. No, no, no. gosh knows. <laughs> and if, if I was having to pay and it'd be four times as much as she had to pay. Yes, anyway. definitely. But, uh, you know, fortunately I didn't have to go down that road. Um, and, um, but that doesn't mean we don't understand it and can't help people that are. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because we do research. We don't just tell you what we've lived. We tell you what we've learned and researched and experiences that we've had dealing with other couples. And Yeah. But for our family, we decided that there are certain things that child support will go to uh, and there are certain things that won't go to uh, and that the any monies that may may be left over need to be put in a fund for you know college or other uh, other expenses that may be coming up or whatever right so but we the point is we talked about that early on we decided what was going to work for us and and that's what we that's what we do and that's what we follow and i don't look at uh, your son's child support money as windfall profit every month they were gonna no, and go it's, on vacation it, it shouldn't even be looked at as our income or anything because the purpose of that is to make sure he's taken care of Right. I remember one time, though, um, he got something, and your kids were mad about it. Or I can't remember exactly. Maybe it was a bike. I got him a bike for making straight A's mm. through the year or something. And they were like, you never got us a bike, Dad. And you're like, well, you never made straight A's. And, of course, my way to kind of derail that was his child support paid for that mm-hmm. because that would shut them down every time. Yeah. Well, they got plenty. They got plenty. Oh, yeah. You know, they got yeah. here and they got at their mom's. Um, so your son got his stuff here and didn't get that much at his dad's. Right. So. And, and they understood that they never really seemed to balk at that really a whole lot. No. I think because when Jackson would come back from Christmas and they'd be like, what you get? And he'd be like, and he'd tell them, they'd be like, Ugh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the kids are going to compare themselves to each other. They're going to compare what they got from one house to the other. They're going to do that kind of stuff. But you, as an adult and as a parent, you have to be prepared how you're going to address that. And, and you can't, it can't be, well, life's not fair. Suck it up. You right. really need to give them something that, that makes sense to them and that they can take away from uh, that conversation. So they know how to look at that in the future instead of just saying, um, well, suck it up. It's right. kind of like saying, well, it's cause I told you so, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, that's great. I understand the frustration that comes out of that type of response. But if you give the kid the why, oftentimes you won't have the mask again. Yeah. All right. All right. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. And we will be back on next week. Same nacho time, same nacho channel. (laughs) Get your cheese, people. Get your cheese. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.